The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots and the flight attendants and from traveling around the world. This episode is called First because quite frankly, I've been having a lot of firsts lately. <laughs> I have my first tsunami delay that I'll tell you about. I have a pilot who experienced a very strange first with one of his students he was instructing, a flight attendant who was put in a chokehold by one of her passengers, there was a first, and a pilot who had very interesting use of the crash axe for some dirty business. <laughs> I like firsts, you know, they keep you young. Let's get going with the first. She just moved from Missouri and she's feeling kind of bruised. She says, hey, hey, hey. So I have been having all these firsts lately. I've been doing a lot of work. <laughs> I was starting to think of it as like homework assignments. Okay, look, I had to do this, 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 this today, along with all my normal jobs and uh, the podcast <laughs> and everything else. But uh, one of the things I've been doing is writing articles to send out to different um, media to try to get publicity for the book, right? So I had written this article about <laughs> how a stranger helped me when I was sick. I had gotten sick in Jordan, then I was traveling in Israel. And I was really sick. I had been sick for days, you know, it was coming out both ends. And I was just so weak. And this this old woman in a bushka helped me. And I, I sent the whole story to AOL. And uh, when they said they were going to use it, that was exciting enough because, you know, it's not what I normally do. And I was excited about that. But then I thought, you know, it'd probably be on the travel page, you know, three stories down or something. But it was still exciting. This Sunday, I was on the front page of AOL. Me. I was on the front page of AOL. It was me. They rotate the top stories. And at one point, it was Kelly Ripa, Lance Armstrong, Johnny Depp, the earthquake, and little old me. <laughs> it's just shocking. It was truly mind-boggling to me that I was right there because my uh, I have a little travel computer and the homepage is AOL. It's how it came loaded. I've never changed it. And right there, <laughs> it was like, wow, it's me. It was only on there for a day, but it was really exciting. But there was a funny aspect to that story. The lady at AOL, you know, I was excited that I was going to be on AOL and she... Uh, emails me that she needs a picture. And I'm like, oh, picture, the whole anonymous thing. Oh, what am I going to do? So I sent her a picture with sunglasses with turtles. I sent her a picture of me and sunglasses on Easter Island. <laughs> and she emails me back. She's probably thinking I was a real dodo. She's like, um, no, a straight on picture with no sunglasses. <laughs> 
So I sent her some more pictures and she emails me back and she's like, here's an example. <laughs> she has an example of a clear headshot. <laughs> she's probably thinking, what is wrong with this girl? And then I, I was trying to explain to her and she, that I didn't want to be recognized. And then she said, well, we'd like our readers to be able to see your face and, and you know, associate with you. And I need a straight, clear headshot. <laughs> So I couldn't decide what to do. You know, I've been trying not to be recognized. I don't want to be recognized on the plane. I don't want to get in trouble at work. But it's AOL and they're going to use my story. Ah! So what I ended up doing was sending in a picture um, from a while ago that my hair was different. And it was a black and white picture. And I was actually trying to do commercials at the time. So it was like an actual acting headshot. And when you do that, they do your hair and makeup and they they make your eyebrows darker. And because it's black and white, they do like uh, make your lips darker. And uh, so I thought, you know, maybe it doesn't look, you know, uh, exactly like me now. (laughs) Some of my friends are like, yeah, right. (laughs) But I'm still going with the fact that I'm anonymous <laughs> at least in some respects so if you want to see this i actually captured the me on the front page of aol and i have the whole story on my website bettyinthesky.com and you can click on betty's press room but you know that was a really really exciting first <laughs> she says hey 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 to the vendor at parking 81st a good day good day to the mountain first it was a first. It was a first for me. It was probably a first for the student. I was an instructor pilot flying with the Navy uh, in their T-34, which is a single-engine uh, trainer for first-time students. They're just learning the, all the basics. They're going to get their wings at some point if they graduate. So I had a student. He was a Marine. Marines, as you all know, very, very tough. Nothing stops the Marines. They're going to do everything. Well, the student I had was named Dave, and he used to be a tank driver, and he passed all these tests. He's going to become a pilot. So we're out there on our third or fourth uh, sortie. <laughs> and we're flying along out there. We're doing some maneuvers. And he says, sir, you have to take the airplane. Okay. So I'm flying the airplane. He says, sir, can you just hold it? It's real still. Straight and level for a moment. I go, uh, okay. Now, in a T-34, the student uh, sits in the front of the airplane. The instructor sits behind him. So we really can't see him. We can just see the back of his head. And I, he, there's no movement at all, and, and I don't hear anything on the intercom. I said, Dave, are you okay? No answer. Dave, are you okay? Just a minute, sir. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll wait another minute. Dave, are you okay? He comes back. He goes, yes, sir, I'm fine. I'll take the controls now. Okay, you have the controls. Dave, what happened? Well, sir, I I, I, I had to puke. Oh, well, that's okay. Did, did you have a bag? Or did, you, did you do it in your glove or... Did you unzip your flight suit and do it there? I mean, did you make a mess? Are you all right? We want to go back? He says, no, sir, I swallowed it. That was a first. Absolutely. That's one tough Marine. That is one tough Marine. And he did go on, finished pilot training, uh, got his wings, and now flies helicopters for the Marine Corps. in the morning, she feels that she So I just did an episode of the Amateur Traveler podcast. I don't know if you guys are aware of this podcast, but it's a great travel resource. Chris Christensen, the host, has done 222 episodes. So if you're going to a specific destination, you can go and scroll down and listen to someone actually telling you all about the destination for a half an hour. So here is a short clip from my 
episode of Amateur Traveler. If you want to hear the whole 36-minute episode, you can go to AmateurTraveler.com. Amateur Traveler, episode 222. Today, the Amateur Traveler talks about treehouses, orangutans, and proboscis monkeys as we go to Borneo. Welcome to the Amateur Traveler. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I'd like to welcome to the show Betty from Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Come to talk to us about Borneo. Betty, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? And I should say welcome to the show finally. I was just telling Betty that I have listened to Betty's podcast, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, for so long, and I've heard her on various other programs. I actually got to the point, I swore that we had had her on the show before, but she, <laughs> if you look in the archives, you can find that I am just mistaken in that. So welcome to the show. So Mulu National Park was really nice. It's a national park that they built these plankways, like all the walkways have planks, so you don't Uh have to be in the mud, so you don't get as many leeches and things like that. (laughs) But (laughs) they have this cave system there that's really amazing. They have this cave, it's called the Deer Cave, that has millions and millions and millions of bats in it. And I hadn't read about this. I like when it's a surprise. You know, it's not something I've been anticipating because sometimes then it's even more exciting. Uh They have set up bleachers at the mouth of the cave and at sunset, the millions and millions of bats fly out for Uh the night to go get insects. But what's weird is that they swirl around so they feel like they get enough numbers, like thousands and thousands and thousands of them, because they don't want the bat hawks to get them. So it's just like animals, sometimes they feel like stronger in a bigger number. So they swirl around and swirl around, and when they feel like they're big enough, then they come out of the cave, but they come out in these formations, like swirls and ribbons. And the people, they set up the bleachers, and everybody's like, ooh, ah, just like fireworks. <laughs> but it's bats. It's so strange, because it's almost like it's, can't possibly be real like it looks like some special effect or like in the movie ghost where like the soul comes out of the body and then like dissipates that's exactly what the bats look like <laughs> so uh. strange but it was really fun i actually hiked back there the next day too because then again was like ooh, ah, <laughs> people because <laughs> i thought i thought you'll never see bat fireworks again <laughs> what was the best day you had of all those i really enjoyed the bats in the bat caves and like you can okay. go in the cave and you get all that guano in your hair but i would say <laughs> way <laughs> to sell really it there get... betty <laughs> i never you know i i can't say i've ever had that in my hair before <laughs> i always like first <laughs> was all prepared for the leeches and i kept running into people that had pictures where they looked like they were shot because you know, they had all this blood from having the leeches on them but i didn't uh-huh. have those so i was prepared i always prepare myself for the worst, but luckily I'm still a leech virgin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so these are deportees from the United States to Guatemala. Yeah. Okay, so you're on a flight with how many of them? About 80. They have customs agents bring them to the plane, and then once they're put on the plane, the customs agents leave them there, and so they're just with us, you know, six flight attendants. So there's like 80 of them, and there's six of us. And I was walking down the aisle towards the kitchen, back alley. <laughs> yeah. And um, one grabbed me by the neck. 
he grabbed you. Like he grabbed my neck like All this. All the way around your neck like yes. that? Yes, with his hand. He just went like that. Weren't you afraid? Yeah, I was afraid. I was shocked. I didn't know what to do. But there was another flight attendant was looking right at me and saw, and she came running up, and she started talking to him, and he spoke Spanish. And I spoke a little Spanish, but I didn't say anything or reveal that well, I spoke Probably because Spanish. you were a little like... <laughs> so I just sat there, and then she came up running. What are you doing? What are you doing? And then for some reason, I don't know if he was on drugs or alcohol or a little disturbed or what. I think probably both. But she, he thought she was his mother. So then she sat with him and talked to him in the meantime. <laughs> You know, like she sat with him the whole time. He thought her was her mother the rest of the flight. He was convinced that she was his mother. And the guy next to him moved, you know, because she went to eventually sit down next to him. And so he didn't know where to go. And he went up to first class and started begging the first class passengers. Begging them for money? For money. And we didn't know because, you know, it was like an all-night right. flight and it was late in the night. And he's begging for money in yes. first class? And so someone caught him and said, you have to go get that guy out of there. He's begging from the first class passengers. And I'm sure the first class passengers didn't like that very much. <laughs> no, we're just like, oh my God. But the best part about it was that the guy that grabbed me didn't become violent anymore or angry because he found his mother. <laughs> no wife named Betty this story in an email from a pilot named David who flies regional jets. This is a very interesting use of the crash axe. Never heard of this one before. He wrote to me about a captain who was telling him a story how he found out he was lactose intolerant. The story begins with him doing some yard work outside in the heat before going to work later that day. He went inside to cool off but instead of drinking water he slammed two glasses of milk. Everything was fine till later that day in the cockpit at cruise altitude. It felt like someone kicked him in the gut. Now this guy is going out of his way to dramatize his story. Imagine a cross between Ernest Borgnine and Jim Carrey portraying his gut exploding. <laughs> That's about what it was like. So as the story goes, Captain James was sitting there in mortal fear of his hygiene. He didn't think he had time to make it to the forward lab in the airplane in time, which thanks to 9-11, he probably didn't, because, you know, we have to go through a whole big rigmarole to let the pilots out of the cockpit. So then he started to lose control. He turned to the first officer who was about to witness an event that would propel this captain to the legends of his airline and said, poop, it's coming out of my ass. The only solution the captain could come up with was to drop trial and point his sphincter at the plastic trash bag that is always hanging from the first officer's armrest. Imagine like if you are a passenger and you're sitting across the aisle from a, a stranger and imagine this person suddenly languishing in abdominal discomfort, drops his pants and evacuates his bowels into a flimsy plastic bag hanging from your armrest. Wow. So there he was, straddling the regional cockpit like an athletic porn star, except his butt and his knickers were covered in poop. Yeah, that's right. Only his butt and his underwear were soiled. Containing the damage from that point required creativity. This is a cockpit, 
not a pet washing facility. His underwear were removed by cutting them off with the crash axe. They were surprised at how sharp it was. There was enough hand wipes and paper napkins from the airport fast food places in the cockpit to clean up his tukus. He had his rollerboard suitcase in the cockpit, so he changed into some clean underwear and landed in Atlanta, as pilots like to say, without further incident. Good day, good day to a husband as he rolls his eyes, getting up for work, putting on a smirk, cause he knows that The downside to the AOL thing, I got all this great exposure. They didn't mention the website or the book. <laughs> I guess I really am new at this, you know. <laughs> trying to get publicity thing because I guess I should have like a stipulation. <laughs> you can use the article if you mention the book or the website. Ugh. But I'm getting better. I'm learning as I go. And uh, the thing that was funny was even though I didn't have my my email address or the website, some people still found me and they searched on Facebook or they searched on Google and I got emails. I got a, I got an email from a guy, who, a couple guys that wanted dates. <laughs> they One of them says he owns his own, own island and he has a treasure diving company, which sounds great, but you know, I'm always leery of the whole internet um, dating thing contacting strangers. I don't know. But another guy, a little, a little bit creepier, another guy uh, asked me if I would send him a signed photo for his wall. <laughs> Things are so strange these days. <laughs> well, at least they're entertaining. Uh, now we're out of JFK, leaving out of JFK to yeah. LA. Uh, he rushed the front door for the... Uh, he rushed the front door of the one left door, trying to open up the door. Who was he? What did he look like? He was one of the, he was a guy that's just about 25 years old. Just, he was, he looks like he was on drugs or something. He just wanted to get out of the plane. He rushed one of the A-lines and she stopped him. I came right behind him to go, you know, to knock him down a little bit. And, um, he just said, I want to get out. And he started pulling on the door. And we all like, you know, jumped on him. And then uh, there was two uh, LEOs was on board. and Two law enforcement officers. Yeah. They helped out, helped out and brought him down and put him back to his seat. Were you, were you afraid though when you... Uh, no, not really. Cause I figured everybody was gonna was gonna come along. At least you were hoping. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was hoping good. She knows that she could lie here happy and free and all that she could be. So I had another first this weekend. Saturday, the AOL thing was Sunday, and the on Saturday was when the earthquake hit in Chile and there was I was driving to work early in the morning and I'm listening to the news on the radio and they're talking about the quake and the tsunami warnings for the Hawaiian Islands, the highest level warnings for the tsunami in Hawaii. And I thought, well, of course I'm flying to Hawaii today. Of course I'm in charge. <laughs> of course I'm flying into what might be a tsunami. <laughs> so I get to work and I sign in and on my rotation it says flight delayed tsunami. <laughs> I've never ever had a tsunami delay before. <laughs> that was a first. I've had many, many delays, but never for a tsunami. And the reason why they were delaying us is 
you know, there's nothing between California and Hawaii, so there's no place to land, and they didn't want us to get past the point of no return, past the halfway point, if we would not be able to land in Hawaii. So it was serious, and, you know, we took major, major delay, and the we still went, but what was ironic is the tsunami was late, <laughs> just like we were, and we already hit the point of no return before the tsunami, what would be the tsunami hit, which as we all know, there wasn't a big catastrophe tsunami in Hawaii. But when we get to Honolulu, they had closed the streets and they had, you know, um, evacuated the beaches, the pilots who had been laying over, they don't, I was doing a turn flying to Honolulu and back, the pilots do only they can't work that long a day. So they had been laying over. So they had pictures on their cell phones of streets during rush hour in Waikiki with not a single car on the roads. And it, it was weird. And then pictures of Waikiki Beach with not a single person on it. And then the first officer was saying how he went up to Diamond Head, the big volcano, the mountain, so that he could get a, well, first of all, so he would be high up in case there was a tsunami <laughs> and also to get a, a really good view in case there was, you know, a huge wave. So he said he was at Diamond Head and his cell phone rings and his mother from Pennsylvania was calling and asked him, uh, hey, where are you? And he said, I'm in Hawaii. And he goes, and the mother says, are you on Diamond Head? And he's like, weird. Yeah, I'm on Diamond Head. And she says, are you wearing a black backpack? And now he's like, what's going on? He's looking around. (laughs) He's like, is my mother here? (laughs) And she says, no, you're on Fox News. (laughs) How funny is that? The first officer's mother in Pennsylvania is all on the news for the tsunami. And the other, uh, well, kind of sad part about that day was we were, you know, hours late, but we, about 80 of the passengers we were supposed to have didn't make it because they couldn't get to the airport because the roads were closed. So they missed their flight. So, yeah, it was my first tsunami delay. Okay, this is a story from when, right, a long time ago, right? Uh, probably 1975. Yeah, that's a while ago. Yeah. And at that time, we didn't have the overhead bins that closed. They were just a, a rack that had a bungee cord so things wouldn't slide out. And mostly it was just pillows and blankets up there. And you could only put hats and coats, nothing else. So they really weren't much good? No, they weren't. And one evening, it was a late night flight, and there was a little old lady who was probably her first flight ever, was used to riding on the train, and she saw the pillows and blankets up there, and she figured it was an upper berth. And the next thing I know, she's standing on her seat, and she's trying to figure out, how do you get up there? Where's the stairs? Because she thought it was an upper berth, and she wanted to take a nap on her way to Sioux Falls. And I had to disappoint her and tell her that she couldn't sleep up there. She had to... Not only could she not get up there, but she couldn't, she wasn't supposed to be up there. (laughs) So I was on a a different delay, and I decided to get something to eat, and I went to McDonald's. And one of the people in there who was ordering food at McDonald's said to the guy, taking his money, he says, "Uh, you know, I I have a flight to catch. I just was like, are you really saying that in an airport? Because every single person here has a flight to catch. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's why you're at the airport. <laughs> and 
that same day, I was in a bookstore and I was talking to the manager and the manager says, um, yeah, you wouldn't believe we have like the quote of the day. I was thinking I should do that. We don't do that at work. We should do the quote of the day. You know, the dumb statement of the day. <laughs> and he says, you wouldn't believe when people come in here and say, um, you know, I, I got to catch a flight. <laughs> at the airport. But he said, one of the things they say at the bookstore that make them laugh is the people will come in there and say, um, do you have any novels at the bookstore? And he said, one time they said, uh, do you have any uh, reading novels? <laughs> reading novels. Like there's another kind of novel. <laughs> you gotta love people. No one woman Betty who wears custom Jimmy shoes. Okay, so you have a first? First, on the layover, changing tires. I was on my way to go get something to eat on my layover, on my short, short layover. And I see this woman, nice woman, uh, with a Mercedes, having problems with her tires. I saw her, she had a flat tire. I asked her if she needed help, and she said she did not, but AAA was coming to fix her tires within 30, 40 minutes, and I told her, I said I could fix it in five or 10 minutes. So on your ultra short layover? On my short layover, so she said, oh, okay, if you could do it, you could do it. So I asked her, okay, where's your you know, um, spare tires and your, um, offer the jacks? <laughs> She's like me, I'm like, I don't know, let's go look. <laughs> so that's what she did, she said, it must be something in place in the trunk. So opened up the trunk, did, did, did all that, and uh, w at the time I was changing the tires, she was asking questions. Uh, what who do I work for? Of course, I am one. I told her I was one of the flight attendants of this airline. And uh, she asked my name, of course, and I gave her my name. And other than that, you know, af after that, she just kind of, kind of th drove away and thanked, thanked me. And she actually asked me if I needed a ride to the place that I wanted to go eat. But I told her no, it's just one more block down so I'm okay and it was very nice but... and about one week later I get I get a note from my employer saying that I got a letter from this so-and-so and it was the person that I helped out and she gave me a season tickets baseball season tickets for the Angels season tickets season tickets it was season tickets and it's it was already at least mid-season already, so at least I got, you know, it's still a lot of games left, but... Um, but that's exciting, isn't it? I was excited about it, because it was I, it was at least four four tickets every time that I went. So it wasn't Every single one. time? It wasn't only one, yeah. one ticket, one person. It was good for four. So you got to take people all season? Yeah, that was really nice, and... Um, so do you think that was a good exchange? Is changing a tire for season tickets? I think it was a great exchange. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think so. But oh, I've had so many firsts lately. You know, usually after a certain age, you don't have that many firsts. But lately, <laughs> my life has been full of them. I got the books. And I had told listeners if I used a story that they emailed me, I'd send them a book. And then when I uh, was emailing the listeners, lots of them were asking me if I'd sign them. And I was thinking, oh, sign them. That's not something I've ever thought about before. I mean, I bet all of you out there can 
maybe there's a few authors that sign books or actors that sign things, but most of us, <laughs> we don't autograph things. Okay, I said, all right, well, I'll sign the book. So I opened the first book and I'm like, wow, what do you write? <laughs> I don't know. And at that moment, I was like, you need to stop and appreciate this moment. This is the first book you've ever autographed. So as I was writing it, I decided, well, you know, maybe I'll write in his book. Hey, this is, this is the first book I've ever signed. Because this way, too, if you know what I wrote wasn't that good, at least you give me a little leeway because <laughs> it's the first one. <laughs> you know, you get better at everything. Well, that book was to Brendan. And I got the nicest email from Brendan. I have been getting so much goodwill these days. It's just been lovely but I'll read you just a little of his email that really made my day or maybe my week he said well Betty you've done it again your book arrived in the mail today and what a joy it was just to see the envelope sitting there but then you really put a flat spin with the personal message along with your autograph what a privilege and how thoughtful of you to note that it was the very first signed copy it was my turn to dance around the living room okay perhaps not the best image to have of me. Fortunately, there's no photographic evidence that I know of. And I've collected aviation books for longer than I care to say, and have many signed by authors, several of whom are friends. But never have I had a first edition book signed by the author and noted as the very first signed copy. <laughs> I'm almost afraid to read it in case I damaged it. Maybe I should get another copy. <laughs> A friend of his said that uh, signed books can be worth more someday, or a first signed book can be worth a lot more. But he said, your signed copy will never leave my collection, no matter how much somebody offers me for it. And then he went on to say really nice things. And I was like, you know, it's nice that I thought it was fun, you know, to sign my first book and that he thought it was fun to receive it. I mean, there's just been so many lovely firsts. Well, that's about it for this first first episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.